Uh, now we're going to turn in our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 8. Leviticus chapter 8. And uh, we're going to look at, as we've gone through the offerings and uh, we've uh, looked at uh, the, the sacrifices, we now come to the ordination uh, and, and when you say ordination service, it's also an offering because they, they had to bring an offering. We're fixing to see that when we read. Uh, and so what was this? This was set aside for the ordination of the, uh, of the priest, okay? But it has a beautiful picture, uh, actually two uh, beautiful pictures. The first picture that we're going to see in this ordination service, by the way, there's eight steps Included in that, we're just going to look at three tonight. Tonight, we're going to look at the calling, and we're going to look at the cleansing, and we're going to look at the clothing. Uh, and then we'll pick up uh, the, the following Wednesday and, and follow it through. So, uh, the, the, the two pictures. First of all, it's a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, he is our, the Hebrew says, He is our great high priest. He's our mediator. Okay? And, and so we're, we see a, a picture uh, of him in this ordination service. But we're also going to see a picture of us as believers. Oh, the Bible says that we are of a royal priesthood. Oh, the, the Bible helps us to understand that, um, you know, some say, well, we, we no longer have to go uh, through a, a priest. Well, that's partially correct. Because... We do have to go through a high priest, and his name is Lord Jesus, okay? We still have to go through him, right? But the Bible is quite clear is that uh, even though he tore uh, the curtain and now we have access, the Bible says we can go into the throne room of grace boldly because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. See, you no longer have to go through a priest. You no longer have to go, you do not go through a preacher. You go through the Lord Jesus Christ and because of that, you can go into it boldly and with confidence that you're in the very presence of a holy God. And so we're going to see uh, all of that uh, in uh, the Word tonight. Well, the first thing that we're going to see, we're going to see the calling. Uh, Leviticus chapter 8, look at verse number 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses. Now, when we see that, and we've seen this numerous times, the Lord spoke directly to Moses. I mean, it was a direct line. Uh, and, and, the, and the Lord spoke unto Moses, and then Moses spoke to the people. Okay? Now, Moses, we're going to see, is a type of Christ, if you will. We're going to see that, remember, when they brought the sacrifices, uh, that uh, if they were going to be forgiven of their sins, they had to bring the sacrifice, right? I remember that. Uh, In all the offerings that we saw, there had to be a sacrifice brought. But we're going to see that Moses was the mediator, if you will. That's exactly what Jesus Christ does for us. But not only did he, uh, he's our mediator, but here's the difference. Moses spoke to the priest, and the priests are the ones that brought the sacrifice for the people. Aren't you glad tonight that Jesus 
was the sacrifice. He didn't have to bring it. He was our sacrifice. And so it says he's, uh, Moses spoken to Moses saying, Now take Aaron and his sons with him uh, in the garments, talking about the, the priestly garments, and the anointing oil and a bullock uh, for the sin offering. Now, what's the significance here? As they're doing an ordination service, they're, or, they're ordaining the, the high priest, right? But before the high priest could bring the offering for the people, he had to have an offering for himself. Okay? That's, that's the reason why it says that you've got to bring a sin offering because this priest was a sinner. Our sacrifice knew no sin. Okay? And, and so it goes and he says a sin offering and two rams and a, a, a basket of unleavened bread. So we've already talked about this, the, uh, the grain offering and, and all of that, where they were responsible for carrying out the, the, the sacrifices. But before they could carry the sacrifices out, they had to be set apart. And we're going to see two things here tonight. We're going to see that in order for them to approach God, they had to bring a sacrifice. And when they brought the sacrifice, then we're going to see, first of all, there was a call placed upon them. You're going to see that the call was from God. God appointed the priest. But we also see not only was there a call, but they were set apart. They were to be different than the rest of the assembly. And also, they were called from that assembly. But they had to have certain requirements. Uh, there are certain things that had to be taking place in order for them to be called. And so, they were called of God. When a man uh, is ordained, uh, and, and we, we do it here. Matter of fact, we're going to have an ordination service at the end of October. We have uh, two men that are going to be ordained as deacons here. And we're going to have a, 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 a time, a service for them. But I nor the other deacons can ordain them. God ordains them first. Okay, are you catching this? God does the calling. God puts uh, and says they're the ones and God appoints them before we can even ordain uh, uh, them as well. Now, there's more we can say about that, but we need to move on. It says, and they gathered about, uh, talking about everyone, they all gathered all the congregation together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, the setting here is the tabernacle, Right? And if you see, uh, and maybe uh, the next time we meet, I'm going to, I have a model of uh, the tabernacle. You're going to see something very interesting, probably have already talked about it. But here when it says the door, there was only one way into the tabernacle. No, no other way. There was only one way. 
What a wonderful picture that is of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For us to come into the presence, remember the tabernacle was set aside. It was the habitation of God. And when you go into the Holy of Holies, that's the very presence of, of God was there. But when they came, they could only come one way. My dear friend, that speaks volumes to us tonight because we need to understand no matter what society is telling, no matter what uh, theologians may tell, no matter what uh, the, the false religions of the world say, there's only one way into salvation, and that door's name is Jesus Christ, okay? And so he says, they came to the door of the congregation, and Moses did as the Lord commanded him. See, this is not something Moses came up with. God told him how he was going to set apart the priest. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the assembly was gathered together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Notice in verse number 4, you see obedience. Moses was obedient. The priest who uh, got the call were obedient. And the congregation was obedient. And so now, what we need to understand, that's exactly how the Lord wants His house to be. He wants it to be to where all of us are obedient to Him. And when we're obedient to Him, all the petty little things that get us sidetracked won't matter to anything. Why? Because we're focused on the author and finisher of our faith. So, very quickly... We see uh, that they have uh, been uh, been appointed by God and they've been set apart. In John chapter 15, number 16, the Bible says, uh, it says that you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you uh, what to do what? To bring fruit and fruit that will remain it. And if you ask anything in my name, I shall answer that. So the Bible is quite clear that uh, the picture, now there's two there's two. Teachings here. There's the teaching. I know the primary teaching is the setting apart of the high priest. But it's also a secondary teaching here is that every one of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ, the same principles hold true to us as it does to the high priest qualifications here in Leviticus. All of us, if you're saved, all of us have been set apart. All of us had received a call. Now, when we think about call, uh, we see two different callings here. First of all, there was a calling to the priest, and the second calling was to the rest of the congregation. Now, there's also two calls in our lives. There is what I would call a general call or a call to salvation. The Bible is quite clear that it's God's will for all men to be saved. And so He's made every provision to get the name out. Uh, and so there is a call to salvation. But when you answer that call, now how do you answer the call? You confess your sins. You repent of your sins. And you call upon His wonderful name. See, the first call was to you. The Holy Spirit started to woo you. The Holy Spirit started to bring you under conviction. 
But even that, that call did not save you. You had to respond. How did you respond? By you calling upon Him and asking Him to come into your heart and to change your life forevermore. So we see there is a call of salvation, but when someone gets saved, there's a second call. Now I'm splitting them in. All of this is instantaneous. The second call is a call to service. When He called you to save you, He also places a calling for you to serve Him. And also to set you apart. The call that He's placed upon you is to be separated. The call that He's placed upon us is that we are no longer of the world, but we're left in the world. Why? To change the world. And so, uh, there was the call. Now, as I look at the call, uh, we, we see a number of things. Uh, first of all, we're, we're seeing uh, that uh, there's uh, uh, the two commands. And look at verses 2 and 3. We see that those are the two that were called. Now, we see that they were gathered at the door of the tabernacle. Uh, Exodus chapter 33, verse number 8 also uh, makes uh, uh, reference to that. that they, so they all gathered there at the entrance. But then we also see that uh, as they're standing at the entrance, uh, that, that they were all in be obedient. Now, here's the call. So the, here's the general call, uh, the call to the priest who was going to be set apart, and the call to the assembly. Now, that, what does that say to us? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4-6, through 6, and I'm paraphrasing here, he, when we had received the call, we did not go seeking Him, He came seeking us. Okay? Now, what is the significance there? In that call, that call should help us to understand that it's not our sufficiency, but it's His sufficiency. See, when you've been called and you've been set apart, you need to understand, I need to understand that we operate in His sufficiency, not ours. Because our sufficiency will always come up short, but His sufficiency will never ever fail. But then in that verse, it also talked about the letter will kill. Now, the letter is reconciled to the law. See, all the law did, of course, we're going back to the Old Testament. All the law did was to reveal your sin. Uh, the law also represents that it had to be done in the flesh. But the Bible tells us that we were not saved under the law, we were saved under grace. And because we're saved under grace, the Holy Spirit comes in and the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us life. See, the law always wound up in death. See, under the law, something had to die. Every one of those sacrifices had to die. And they died over and over and over. And every day, and of course on the Day of Atonement, uh, an animal had to die. But aren't you glad our sacrifice, even though He did die, He only had to die one time. And because of His death, we have been set free. And because of His death, we have life. Life forevermore. And so... We go and, and see the sufficiency of Christ. Now, I want you to look at verse number 6. In verse number 6, and I, I got excited on this one. It, we see the cleansing or the washing. And it says, And Moses brought Aaron and his sons, 
and washed them with water. That's a good verse. What does that mean? First of all, the priest did not wash themselves. Moses, who's the mediator, washed them. Moses is a type of Christ. Our sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, washed us. See, you couldn't wash yourself. You couldn't forgive yourself for your sin. You could not give eternal life. But our sacrifice, the Lord Jesus, took care of all of that. So He washed us. And the Bible here says um, Moses washed them in water. Now, that brings us into a doctrinal teaching here. We have those that believe in what we call water regeneration. Water regeneration simply says that in order for you to be saved, you have to be baptized. That's their teaching. Now, the Bible doesn't teach that. Yeah, a little bit of a problem here. The Bible doesn't teach that. Now, I understand uh, they'll take uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 8. No, I'm sorry, I, I, I jumped ahead here. And, yeah, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 11. It says uh, that some of you... Now, of course, you've got to read the verses before. The verses before are talking about being lost. And so he's addressing them. He's addressing believers. He says, now you used to be that way. Aren't you glad tonight that you can say, I used to be like that? But because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, He changed me and I'm not the same as I used to be. Aren't you glad that you're not the same as you used to be? And so He said, and some of you were like that, but, but you have been washed, you have been sanctified, and you've been justified in the name of Jesus. Now, here's the catch. The name of Jesus. You do not get saved because you got wet. You're saved because of the name of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, it's going to take us a while to develop that. Stay with me. And then he goes on and says, not only in the name of Jesus, but also by the Spirit. You're saved by the Spirit. You're saved by what Jesus Christ did for you. Now, in Psalms 51, verses 2 through 17, not going to read the whole thing, but the psalmist says, and he's crying out, he says, Wash me uh, and, cleanse, and cleanse me and, and my sin. And he says, and this is how I become clean. He says, Hyssop will clean me. And he says, I will be washed white as snow. Right? Isn't that what the psalmist? Now this is the psalmist, Old Testament here. He understood that he was washed, but it does not say anything about being baptized, does it? It says, wash me in hyssop and wash me uh, and cleanse me uh, and my sins will be uh, taken care of. Now, follow this train of thought. Look in Acts. Go to Acts because this is a book. It's a transitional book. But this is a book where many who believe in water regeneration will take you to. In Acts chapter number 22, looking at verse number 16. And the Bible says here, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins and call upon His name. 
So they will say that believing water regeneration, there it says right there, it said uh, that uh, you are to uh, be washed or you're to be baptized and then you call upon his name. That's not what it reads. If you go to the Greek, the Greek says, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you can go ahead and check it out. In the Greek it says, Arise and be baptized because you have already previously called upon His name. That's what the Greek says. Okay? Now, what's this? In Acts chapter 2, verse number 21, it says, Who, who calls upon the name? Right? Do you see it in Acts 2, 22, 21? Call, right? You see the... It says call. Is that what it says? He says, who calls? In Romans chapter 10, verse number 13, it says, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Be saved. Didn't say anything about baptism, did it? Now, follow the train. Now you're in Acts chapter 9. You're looking at verses 14 through 17. We all know chapter 9, uh, it's dealing with the conversion of Saul, who is later called Paul, right? And so, in Acts 9, uh, chapter 14, it says and, uh, that uh, they were supposed to go. Uh, he's already had an encounter on the Damascus Road. Remember the story? He, he met the Lord on the Damascus Road. And now he's uh, making his way to, uh, to Damascus. And then in 14, uh, they says, now you need to go and you need to get uh, Saul uh, out, of, out of the house there. And they say, well, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, you, you, apparently you don't understand who we're dealing with here. Now just go ahead, read chapter 9. I'm telling you the truth here. And he says, hey, he's the one that wanted to go after everyone who had called on thy name. Okay, do you see it? He says, who called. He didn't say anything about those who were baptized. He said, those who called upon their name. Now, look at verse number 15. In number 15, we see uh, that the word is... Lord is talking here uh, is that Paul, who, who saw uh, his name hadn't changed yet, but he says in 15 that he was chosen. Oh, what a minute. We hadn't even got to the baptism yet. But we see that he's called. Now we see that he's chosen. Now look at verse number 17. In verse number 17, notice the word usage. What do they call Saul? What's the, what's the word in front of them? Somebody got to him, remember, y'all can talk to the preacher. Brother. Well, wait a minute. Now, I know sometimes we use the word flippantly, but in the context here, you're only a brother if you have the same heavenly father, right? They call him Brother Saul. But it gets even better than that. He said, not only God, but then later on we see, and then he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember, Acts is a transitional book, right? And so the reason why uh, Paul, uh, and we'll go ahead, even though Paul had gotten saved before he even got to the baptism because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, 
Right? Do you see that? And then what happens? Then he was baptized. Do you, do you see? Now you say, well, that took a long time. I already knew that. We need to understand these things because when someone comes and tells you that if you haven't been baptized, you can't be saved, and that baptism waters save you, you can take them to the book and you can show them what the Word of God says about it. See, the problem that we have many times when we encounter folks that, that, that are, and I'm not, using, I'm not talking about their intelligence, but they're just ignorant about the Word of God. And the Word of God is clear. You're saved because you called upon His name. Now, you want to be baptized, not to be saved, but because you're saved. Because you're showing outwardly what's already happened inwardly. We see all through the book of Acts. And here, I'm not to say, well, I'm glad to know that. I can't wait to go and meet that, that, that old boy that tells me that. And I'm going to really nail his hide. That's not the purpose for you going. You just need to show him in the Word of God and let the Word of God take care of it. There's power in the Word. And so he says, wash. So we have been washed. Now, what a beautiful picture of being set apart. They were washed. Now, the last thing that we're going to see very quickly, we're going to see the clothing. Look at verses, starting with verse number 7. He says, and he put upon him. Okay, here again. Moses washed them because they could not clean themselves. And he also put the garments on them because you cannot put the robe of righteousness on yourself. Only the Lord Jesus can make you righteous. Okay? And he says, and he put upon him the coat and, the, and, and girded him, him with the, with the girdle. And uh, he clothed him uh, with the robe and put the ephod upon him. And he girded him uh, with the, the curious girdle of the ephod and bound it unto him therewith. And he put uh, the breastplate upon him. Also he put in the breastplate the urim and the thummim. And he put uh, the... uh and he put the might upon his head, uh, also upon the might, even upon his uh, forefront, did he put the golden plate uh, and the holy crown as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, very quickly, we're going to see, as he, as the, there are, there's the call, there's the cleansing, now comes the robe or the garments of the priest. Now, oh, what does that mean? First of all, is that, oh, notice that these robes and these garments are different than the rest of the congregation. What is that a picture of? That's a picture of us because when we have been saved and we've been set apart, we should be different than everybody else around us. And notice, there should be no guessing. Hey, when they saw the high priest, they knew exactly who he was. He didn't have to go around and say, Hey, I'm the high priest. I'm the high priest. They already knew. 
That is a picture of what we should be in the Lord Jesus Christ. There should be no questions from those outside, those that are in the lost community. There should be no questions who we are representing. We've been, we've been set apart. But then there's a second thing that we see. Uh, these garments, because they were considered holy garments, uh, they were shown respect and honor. And that's exactly what we ought to be doing to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He deserves all respect and He deserves all honor and all praise because if it wasn't for His sacrifice, we would not be able to be where we're at tonight. So, now, first there was the tunic. Then there's the sash, then there's the robe, and then there's the ephod. You see that in verse number 7. Now the tunic was a, the long, it looked, uh, it pretty much covered the whole body. It looked like a, a, like a coat and uh, it would drag. Remember when we were in Ephesians chapter 6, we talked about the tunic and when the, when the Roman soldier was going into battle, how he would take that and he would tuck it into the belt of truth. Okay, so that's the picture there, the tunic. Now, the tunic is symbolic of righteousness. But then there's the sash. And the sash represents truth. That reminds us of the belt of truth in Ephesians 6. Okay, and so he had the sash around him, which was truth. But then we move on and we see, and there's a whole lot more we can say about all of this. But do we see the robe? Now, this is also referred to as the robe of the ephod. That is a picture of him being in the intercessor. See, that's what the high priest was. The high priest was the go-between. If you wanted to get to God, you went through the high priest. And so, he put that on. That was representative of that. Then, the ephod. And the ephod was a sleeveless. It was a coat-like uh, a, a garment, and, but it had uh, some uh, dis, uh, distinctions here. It had two stones that was placed upon it. And these two stones had the names of the twelve tribes. Six on each stone. What does that represent? See, when the Lord Jesus, when He went to be our sacrifice, He went for all of us. He went for all of us. And so the high priest, when he would go in, especially when he was going into the Holy of Holies, he was going for all the people. But then notice it said the, the, the breastplate. The breastplate, of course, here again, another a picture uh, of Ephesians 6 where it's a, br- a breastplate of righteousness. But this breastplate uh, had a little pouch-like area. And that's where the Urim, Urim and the Thummim were. Now, a whole lot we can say about that. Time will not allow. Uh, but basically what it was that it would determine the will of God. Hmm. Now watch this. I know it's the high priest, but when we get our robe of righteousness, we ought to be able to determine the will of God for our lives as well. And when we are going, we ought to be going to all people. When we're going, we ought to have truth that keeps everything together. And then it goes on and it says in the might or the turban. And the turban was a a headband, if you will. And what that represent was, here again, going to Ephesians 6, the helmet of salvation. The turban was for mental righteousness. See, we got to be righteous here. Before we get righteous here. 
And when we get righteous here, that flows into where we get righteous here. And when we're righteous here, then outwardly we become righteous. We do the right things. We go to the right places. We say, uh, and, and so here we see the, 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 the term. Now, uh, notice here that it says about a gold plate. And so on the, the turban or the mite, there would be a gold plate. Now, gold is a color of deity, right? And it was held together by a blue ribbon, if you will. Now, what does all this mean? Well, it had words on it. And the words that were on this golden plate were holiness to the Lord. Now watch this. Wherever that priest was being seen, they saw that. The holiness to the Lord. The holiness to the Lord. I started thinking about this. What if we were required to wear something like that now? Will we act a little bit different? Will we act like what is on our forehead is how we're acting? Holiness to the Lord. Holiness to the Lord. And you might not have a turban on your head. You might not have a gold plate on your forehead. But if you say that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's exactly what you're doing when you're going out. Holy unto the Lord. Holy and to the Lord. And so, holiness and to the Lord. And, and, and I thought, you imagine when the sunlight would hit, or the, the flames of the altar there, when it would illuminate, that, that little gold would uh, kind of like have a countenance that gl- would glow out from it. And constantly before the people, and constantly to the high priest, holy unto the Lord. Holy and to the Lord. Think about that. The next time you say something out of turn. Ooh, holiness and to the Lord. Think about that. That next time that you get upset and you let your anger get the best to you. Holiness and to the Lord. Think about that. The next time you go and you purchase some things that you don't need to be purchased. Holy to the Lord. Think about that when we come in for corporate worship, holy unto the Lord, holy unto the Lord. Everywhere they went, the holiness of the Lord was in the forefront. Is that you tonight? No matter where you go, the holiness to the Lord is not only on your mind, but it's in your heart and it's in your walk. Now very quickly... In, uh, in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 20, it says, Without the right and without righteousness, uh, no one can enter into the kingdom. Without righteousness, no one can enter into the kingdom. And we've seen here uh, in this ordination service and in the clothing, it all was representing righteousness. In, in 2 Corinthians 5 17, it says it this way it says, If you be in Christ, you're a new creature. 
a new creature. That means at one time you were unholy, now you're holy. At one time uh, you were not justified, now you're justified. At one time you weren't being sanctified, now you're being sanctified. And because we're in Christ Jesus, we're not the same person that we used to be. We're holy unto the Lord. We're holy unto the Lord. But then it goes on in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 11, it says it this way, and it says and you're filled with the fruits of righteousness. In Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse number 22, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And so when we put all this together, it's still, we're still gravitated towards what was on the forehead of that high priest. Holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. And so the question for us tonight is, are we walking in holiness Are we speaking in holiness? Are we acting in holiness? What are we doing? Are we serving in holiness? The Bible says you received a call. You've been cleansed. And you have new garments. You have the robe of righteousness. The question tonight is, are we walking in it?